kind of look at it as like the breath being the bridge of connecting the, the body and the mind. When we take in the fullness of our breath, breathing from our abdomen and exhaling fully, to me it's like taking the fullness of God. Spiritual Formation Society of Arizona welcomes you to another season of our podcast, Taste and See. This time we're talking about contemplation into the silent land. Hey friends, welcome back to Taste and See. This is a podcast of the Spiritual Formation Society of Arizona. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name is Gray Ewing and I'm the pastor of Ascension Church and on the ministry team, and also co-host of this show, which I do with my good friend, Ted. Yeah, welcome everybody to episode four of this fifth season. I'm Ted Wiesty, and what we're doing as we walk through uh, season five is uh, a series of discussions and reflections on the book Into the Silent Land by Martin Laird. And today, we get to hang out with our friend, Renee Clark. Welcome. Thank you. It's a joy to be here. Renee is a part of our ministry team and has actually been a part of the Spiritual Formation Society for quite a few years. Um, and uh, Renee is married to Maddie, who I love. If you don't know Maddie, he's just... Life of the party. One of the... Yeah. He, yeah he's just... I love him. I love him so much. And uh, two adult children, Skylar and Trevor... And uh, Renee is a spiritual director, a yoga instructor. Would that make you a yogi? Is that the word? I guess. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I, I hear. So anyway, but yoga is a part of the equation, which I appreciate deeply. So many wonderful things. And it's a joy to have you here to uh, talk a little bit about this uh, third chapter, the body's call to prayer. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. It's good to be here. You need to mention Renee's gifts with hospitality and care for people as well, I think, which is very evident if you've ever been to a formation event. Well, she ever. is the hospitality coordinator oh, for the go. ministry, so, you know. I did not actually that. even know that was your title, so you do it well. Yeah, thank you. Well, and, and you know, this season is the coffee season, um, and... Uh, the warm beverage season. The warm, yeah, but, but we're going to say the warm beverage season, because we're not having coffee for this episode, um, Renee surprised us um, with something that actually we've already tasted. So yeah. we're, we're, we'll taste and see more of it here in just a moment. But Renee, tell us about this amazing beverage that you brought for us. Sure. So it's a golden milk latte, and um, you can use any kind of milk of your choice. But I, I used homemade coconut milk, and you simply just, you can buy it the prepackaged mix at Whole Foods or Sprouts. I'm sure there's many other places. And it includes things like turmeric and cinnamon and cardamom, boswellia, which is where frankincense is derived from. So it's very nourishing to the body. And let me ask you, Renee, how do you home make 
like do you coconut milk. Co- how do, do you, you milk? <laughs> do you buy like raw coconuts, split them open, and make the milk out of it? How do you do that? Well, I actually cheat. So you can make any kind of nut milk, nut milk in this what's called an almond cow. So it almost, it's like a pitcher, almost looks like maybe a coffee maker, and it has a little grinder in it, and you mm. pour in warm water, and then in the little thing where it grinds, you pour in your coconut and some dates, vanilla. I put a little hemp seeds in it, and you just seal it, push a button, and there's your milk a few minutes later. And what's this thing called? It's called almond cow. Almond cow. So I did you can not make know about almond this. milk, cashew milk, oat mm. milk. I'm going to be looking this up. Yeah, That sounds great. really cool. Wow. We are recording this in the afternoon, so it is very good to not have my, I won't admit what number of cup of coffee for the day, but I don't think Renee drinks coffee, right? Uh, you no, know, I actually, or, I do enjoy okay. a cup of espresso in okay. the morning, but mm-hmm. that's it for me then yeah. during the day. Yes, it's in the afternoon now, so this is a wise choice. So we will enjoy this beverage and be right back to talk with Renee about chapter three. Thank you for joining us on the Taste and See podcast, a podcast of the Spiritual Formation Society of Arizona. Our vision for the Spiritual Formation Society of Arizona is to create space for leaders and learners to grow in deeping intimacy with God. Check out sfsaz.org for more information and resources, and consider joining us at an upcoming event. Now back to the podcast. friends, we are back for a discussion on body and prayer. And what did you guys think, Ted? I know what you think, Renee, because you brought it to us, and this is one of your beverages. What did you think, Ted? I would drink this again. Yes. It's, it's so good. It's, it's um, super tasty. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a yeah, great taste. And um, yeah, the coconut, um, all the different, you know, the cinnamon and the different spices in there. I think the coconut combined with the turmeric flavor gives me an Indian food vibe, right? So if you like Indian food or that kind of, those kinds of flavors, what do you call those flavors? I don't even know, but um, whatever. If you like food like that, you know, that's the kind of dish that it comes to mind. It's delicious. It's where the drink is derived from. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. So from thank India. you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you for bringing it to us. So we're going to move into to chapter three, and maybe, Ted, I'll have you set this up for us. The title of the chapter is The Body's Call to Prayer. Um, in terms of our discussion today, you know, set the stage for us a little bit and, and get Renee's thoughts as well. So in this chapter, Laird gets practical with, with several different things, and we'll walk through those things. But just right there on the first page of the chapter, he begins with a couple of quotes, let us sit still, vagrious. And then this quote from James Joyce, Mr. Duffy lived at a little distance from his body. (laughs) And it's such a great description of what can happen to us. And and if we think back to our discussion in the last podcast with Shelley, as we talked about being present um, in the moment, it feels like this invitation to think about the body is kind of a continuation and getting a lot more specific about how to do that. And I, I can say I can relate to the idea of 
living at a little distance from my body. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the podcast with Shelly, I mentioned um, talking with my spiritual director about that. And the, the image that came up in my mind was um, a story, and maybe you've heard me share this before, but there's some Westerners who go uh, into kind of a remote village and they meet up with um, uh, some people who are native to that land and they help them go into the interior, you know, and kind of backpack through. And the Westerners are like pressing it and going really fast and they're making great time. And after hiking a couple of days, they get up to go on that third day and those native people won't budge. And the Westerners get all agitated. They're like, what's going on? Why can't we go? And the interpreter relays back that, that we need to stop and slow down so that our souls can catch up with our bodies. Mm-hmm. And often in our world today, um, we can be going faster than the speed of our soul and almost have an experience of life where our body and our soul are, are just disconnected. Yeah, it was just the other night in some silence that I was realizing, you know, one of the things that is most helpful, and I'm sure we'll get into this, is just noticing what's happening in your body. And then you notice things like, my left thigh, (laughs) you know, hurts. And it's like, whoever thinks about their left thigh, you know, it's like, but all of a sudden I realized that there's there's this pain down there that I would never have noticed had had not slowed down. And so there can be this, we are our bodies, right? This is... This is the the view of the the Christian view of the human body is that we are body, we are soul, right? There's, it's not two equal parts, right? It's not like we we are bodies and we are souls, right? And so and yet, we can put a a stint in that. We can put a separation experientially into saying like this is you know what my body's doing, but I'm living at a distance from it. So um, part of his call to us is to recognize that the the body is part of that praying life. What, what stood out to you, Renee? Overall, I would say in this chapter, I just really appreciated how the author really spoke about the breath and, um, and just like what it did to the body. And just for me, it so resonated just in a lot of my training, but not even just my training, just my passion and just different ways I've experienced being disembodied or disconnected to my body in my own life. And um, I just, I really appreciated how he brought the ancient into the present. Can you say more about that, Renee, just in terms of what you've been learning about breath and um, the importance of that in being connected with your body and how that affects our prayer? Yeah. Oh, there's a lot I could say. Um, we so take our breath for granted. And, and again, I like how the author said, our breath is God. And so... When I think about yoga, just in yoga training, and um, I was met with a lot of resistance in it when I first began training, but yoga just means uniting the body, the mind, and the breath. And so I kind of look at it as like the breath being the bridge of connecting the, the body and the mind. Mm. So, and when you take, you know, just so, so many of us breathe just in the upper part of our Lungs, so we're just really breathing short, but when we take in the fullness of our breath, breathing from our abdomen and exhaling fully, to me it's like taking the fullness of God and just inviting in His peace into my body. 
it's really surprising when you look at the scriptures how much the image of breath you know comes up which is that of course we are uh, God breathed you know he he breathed life into us so there's that image of connecting what you're talking about life and breath the spirit of God is like the breath of God that's the same word you know for wind spirit um, it's the same Hebrew word and of course in in Acts Paul says uh, it's in God that we live and breathe, right? We, we have our breath in, in him. Um, and so it can seem sometimes like this is a mystical outside of Christian, you know, I want to be sensitive to those who are listening in and might have those questions, right? Like is breathing somehow like a, you know, outside the pale of, of you know, Christian life? And it's actually really surprising when you look at the scriptures how much um, the life and breath are, are tied together. I can, I can speak from my own experience. I just had, um, I had just experienced just a lot of grief, loss, and trauma in my life, which just, um, my body was talking to me, but I didn't really realize it. And I'd experienced adrenal fatigue, which if you don't know what your adrenals are, it's your batteries. And so that's when I had gone through my yoga training and learning how to breathe and how to use my breath and connect my body. And it was just through that experience of going through that and learning how to breathe that ultimately brought healing. I, I no longer struggled with adrenal fatigue. Hmm. So, yeah, the breath is very powerful. I think it's interesting. For many of us, we grew up in uh, Christian traditions or Christian contexts where we weren't taught to pay attention to our bodies or we were even discouraged from paying attention to our bodies. And then I think even culturally, to a large degree, we don't have a, a culture that talks about paying attention to what's going on in your body. And as, as some of you guys know, I've been through some medical things over the last handful of years. And because of that, I've been much more in tune with my body. And I've realized that there are things that I have experienced for decades in my body that I just thought were normal. I didn't know that, you know, that chest tightness or that tenseness that I felt in my body was my body alerting me to something. I just thought at the end of a long, busy day, you just kind of felt that way. Right. And uh, it's been really helpful for me to just learn how to slow down and pay attention so that I can be fully embodied. Yeah, some years ago, I was uh, with my spiritual director and she asked a challenging question about something about growing up. I won't go into the details of it, but she asked me a, a, a challenging question that made me, you know, pause. And, and then I just started having a coughing fit in the middle of this session. And I, it was, there was nothing caught in my throat. You know, it just, something was, something reacted and I didn't even see it at the time. I, you know, I had to stand up and walk around and like start breathing again, but I was, you know, I was in a lot of pain and it just came all of a sudden and I sat down again after I'd recovered and I said, I don't know why, you know, what, what has happened with this? This was just a, a, a weird thing. I didn't swallow anything. And she's just looking at me, you know, like I say, which is, she's, she's saying, clearly you are reacting to what I just said, you know, and, and so it, it became obvious then even those of us who might be trying to be more aware of our bodies, sometimes, you know, it goes very deep. Like we, we don't even realize that much of our physiological responses and emotional responses are tied together and and yet it's all God's right it's it's his his creation his 
He cares for our emotions. He cares for our story. He cares for our breath. He cares for our bodies. He made them all, and he loves loves each part, right? Yeah, and even when you think about how he designed our breath, the full inhalation and the full exhalation, and I like I know later in the chapter, um, the author speaks about focusing on your exhale. But when you think about how God designed our breathing, how it just massages our internal organs that are in relationship with one another, and how the breath sends the oxygen to our cells and tissues and you know it's all designed for our health so maybe we could talk about just some real practical how to's of because the whole the whole thing that he's encouraging with this book is silence breathing prayer contemplation of god right and then when people say, well, how do I do that? You know, he, he actually, he doesn't shy away from just saying, you should do this and this, and this is how you should position your body. It'd be kind of cool to get into some of those. Yeah, so he, I mean, he talks about posture and then the idea of a prayer word and then, and then the breath. I think those are kind of the, the main movements. Mm-hmm. But let, let's just say a couple things about posture. Um, he, he says we can pray in any position. You know, it's not... This isn't right. a legalistic thing, like you have to be doing a certain thing to be heard by God. He says, we can pray in any position, but certain positions are more suited to still prayer. Thoughts on that? He mentioned those things, and, and I love the, I mean, the freedom in that and also the, the practicality, right? So, you know, when I had read Laird uh, a while ago, I ended up doing what he asked me to do exactly, and then I ended up tweaking, you know, some things. So he says to to sit erect, you know, with your hands gently resting, palm down on on your knees, and uh, as much as possible, having your rear end above your your uh, your knees. So having even sitting on a pillow, something like that, seems to help. He he mentions very practical things like that, and um, that works really well. And I found after a time that having my hands open was was less distracting to me you know or even clasped together um, but that's the that's the thing he's telling you here's some things for your body to, to consider and it's like training wheels you can try it on for a little while and then see what works for you yeah I, I agree I'm I, I I practice the same way gray where I'm just I do sit in a more comfortable chair but it's one where I can be you know raised um, above my knees and yeah and, and just cupping my hands and I feel like I'm more in a posture of attentiveness. You know, I don't think he really gets into it in this chapter, but the idea of clasping your hands together, kind of in a, in a what you might think of as a little child would put their hands together and kneel by their bed and pray, that clasping of the hands, um, there seems to be something significant to that. Mm-hmm. A union? I'm wondering union or a, a sense of embodiment? Yeah, I, I just wonder, I, I've noticed that with the clasping of the hands, there's something of like uniting the the two parts of my body. I mean, when we think yeah. about the brain, you've got left brain, right brain. And, yeah. you know, if you know much about that uh, therapy, is it called EMDR? EMDR, yeah. And, and it's where it's kind of engaging both sides of your body. And I wonder if there's something about clasping your hands even mm-hmm. that can be sort of bringing those things together and bringing things into alignment and not in you know, some kind of uh, crazy way or whatever, but it's just there seems to be a simplicity to that that, that might be worth noting or experimenting mm-hmm. with. I think at a minimum, noticing how you're kind of closed off and or open, 
yeah, how your spine and neck and back, you know, feel, you know, and there's other things that you can do, you know, with the body in terms of just noticing, like I was talking about earlier, where pain is. That, that's a that's an invitation, right? And it's it's often in the back of our necks or the our jaws being clenched or or the left thigh, you know, <laughs> like that happens too. So. I agree. That just kind of goes back to the breath. Just from what I know, when when our breathing is short and it's not how God designed our breath to be, um, that's where we get the tension or the pain in our jaw or our upper back, or even when we're not fully exhaling and letting go, um, we can experience that in our hips or lower mm. extremities also. Mm. Well, as you talk about breathing these short little breaths, you know. I think about the idea of like fight or flight, you know, when we're in a situation where we've got to get out of there, we're going to, we're going to run or whatever. And so we do have, we're kind of like short little breaths. We're just trying to get, and, um, I wonder if sometimes by not paying attention to our breath, Mm -hmm. we stay in a state of fight or flight Mm -hmm. and it's hard for us to just settle into our communion with God um, because our bodies are are activated or or dysregulated, you might say. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. If anyone's ever had a panic attack before, and you know what that that short breathing is, that's the most extreme form of that, right? But you know, if if you're not taking time to breathe deeply, at other times, there can be a milder version of that going on all the time. That's why I like how he talks about bringing it into this practice of centering prayer. It's just using our breath, the very presence of God, as we're sitting in centering prayer to help regulate our stress response and our nervous system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe we can talk briefly about the prayer word, too, because that that is the way that, that we kind of focus our attention. And he's going to devote a lot more time the rest of the book to talking about the prayer word by that it doesn't mean just a single word necessarily it could be a phrase um maybe yeah what is a prayer word i guess we get we get asked first well he he goes on the author goes on to speak of the of the phrase um using a phrase but i think it can be anything like abba or jesus or mine for a while when i first started this practice was abide Mm -hmm. so i think it can be anything that's meaningful to you yeah, I think it's helpful to root it in Scripture, you know, especially at a start. Um, you know, one of the things that I've done, I've encouraged people to do is, if you're, if you're leery about this or you're wondering about this, you've never done this before, well, you know, you know the verse, be still and know that I'm God. <laughs> right? You've heard that one before. So what would be wrong with you saying, I am still, you are God. Mm-hmm. Breathe in, I am still. Breathe out, you are God. You know, mm-hmm. and that's just Scripture and that's just true, right? I am being still right now, and God is God, you know, and that's what the scripture explicitly says for us to do, <laughs> to do. and yet how often do we get instruction on what it means to actually be still, you know? Why don't we, one of the ways that we can learn to be still is by identifying a phrase like that very verse, and then returning to it. And when we get distracted, um, you know, we return to it. And then when we move away and we start thinking about the phrase itself, we start trying to mind the depths of it and our thinking mind tries to lay out what all of it means, then we just return to the phrase, you know? And then that's, it stills us over time. It makes us be quiet for the Lord. 
you know, for some people, they will use a certain word or phrase or coupling of words, like you were saying from Scripture, for like a season or a period of time. Or, you know, another uh, practice is that daily as you're spending time with the Lord, um, you're noticing what the word for today is, for example. You know, and what do you, what do you, how do you sense the Lord uh, with you today? And there may be a word that comes out of that that could be a part of uh, your time of centering prayer, your time of contemplation. And I've found personally that coupling a, a prayer word with the breath is the way to go. Um, that's been so, so helpful for me. I find like I can, I can really be embodied and present when I'm doing both of those together. Uh, often if I just try one and not the other, um, it's, it's perhaps not as rich or, or meaningful. Yeah, I'd say for me, I kind of go through seasons, Ted. I, I sometimes, it just depends on how my mind is each day, like whether it's just I'm focusing on my breath or there again, just bring in that prayer word and on an inhale, like you um, mentioned, Gray, one part of it and on the exhale, the other part. Mm-hmm. I like how he he talks about it as a refuge. I think a few times that the word he uses, I think something like prayer word becomes like the safe place, right? It's the the thing you return to. So you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. Your mind is saying like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And what are you doing to me and all this stuff. And you just keep coming back to that, that, uh, that safe place, right? That tower, you know, it's the, as the Lord is described in the Psalms, right? Returning to the high tower. Um, and that, that's been helpful to me to think about, well, I don't need to do anything other than just hang out here on that, in that spot. I don't need to learn from this, you know, anything. I don't need to uh, be writing or communicating anything from this necessarily. I can just return there, and then that itself is a healing good thing. You know, the last uh, three pages of this chapter, last four pages, um, <clears throat> gives a practice, and we're not going to go over the practice. Um, you can look at that um, on your own, but, but two things I, I think are, are worth highlighting. And the first one is at the bottom of page 43 under number four, where he talks about this simple practice of just sitting still, paying attention uh, to your breath, having that prayer word, uh, that that recenters you again and again, and he says this is the simple practice. The practice is not never let your attention be stolen. <laughs> so if if you're doing this right, it means that you are coming back mm-hmm. over and over and being centered. It doesn't mean that you move into a place and you never move off of center. It means that you just keep returning, and and that's I think helpful. Um, the other thing he says at the top of the next page is people often find that when they try to focus their attention on the breath, they become uncomfortably self-conscious and begin to trip over themselves or feel that their breathing is forced. Mm-hmm. He just says very practically, this is quite common and it doesn't last too long. The self-consciousness is due to the newness of the practice. It's well worth putting up with this initial awkwardness. Mm-hmm. I love it. One of the qu- genuine questions that I have, because I've practiced this many different ways, I'd love to hear Renee's thoughts on this. 
because he doesn't go into how the, to breathe with the mouth or the nose, right? And that's a question that, that I have in some ways, because I've done it both ways, right? Um, in through the nose, out through the nose, in through the mouth, out through the mouth, or in through one way and out, out the other. Is there a practice that you guys is, is kind of like a, a, a standard on this? Because I've, I've been kind of going all over the place with it. <laughs> For me, I don't open my mouth when I breathe, and I think there's a, a physiological reason. I just don't remember what it is off the top of my head. But, well, I've heard um, that the nose is like a filter, right? It is. It, the it, nose is a filter. Yes. yes. Right. So, so and our, our lung, the tissues in our lungs are very sensitive, so that would be the advantage to breathing in through the nose and exhaling. Mm -hmm. I guess I haven't any other way, Gray. Mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> well, for, I know from a medical standpoint, and I know this because Jennifer, my wife, is a nurse, um, over the last handful of years when I've had different things going on and maybe about to pass out or something like that, she'll always say to me, okay, breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth, open your eyes, and like look at the horizon. Mm -hmm. And, and that seems to have a stabilizing effect mm -hmm. on the body. And I know for me, a lot of times when I would start to feel faint or my body wasn't quite right, I would hold my breath and close my eyes, mm -hmm. which is the exact opposite right. of, of what you need to do. So there's something just, this is, I guess, basic nurse training mm -hmm. um, that you breathe in through the nose and then out through the mouth. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and I've found for me in prayer, I either just breathe through my nose or I do in through the nose, out through the mouth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's kind of, you know, it's a minute look at, at this, but it's things that people wonder when they start actually breathing, like, am I breathing right, you know? Um, and I found that mouth breathing, you can actually go deeper sometimes with the breath, but with nose, it seems, you know, cleaner, it seems pure, it seems like, what you probably should be doing, right? But there's something about taking a breath and then exhaling it out of the mouth that almost seems like the cleansing breath that, you know, it releases everything. And right, so, right. and when I've had shortness of breath, same thing as Ted, I found that the mouth is more, more efficient, maybe just because it gets it out faster. I'm not sure. I, I like the last paragraph that he speaks where he says, the body is a great reservoir of wisdom. Something as simple as bodily stillness and breathing make a contribution of untold value to discovering the unfathomable silence deep within us. This silence, as R.S. Thomas tells us, is when we live best, when listening distance of the silence we call God. I just really like that. Mm. Yeah, you know, if we um, <clears throat> embrace... Uh, an understanding that the Spirit of God dwells within us and communicates to us. Um, certainly, I think we could affirm that the Spirit of God will use Scripture to communicate to us. Sometimes there is that still small voice. And, and I think also the, the Spirit will use our body to alert us to things. And um, How and, else would we experience any phenomenon. Right. Our emotions, right. our body. So we do well to um, deepen in our understanding of listening to our body as a part of how we pray, um, both in terms of communication, communion with God, and then also um, moving into a place where we're able to be present. How might somebody do that? Just off the cuff, an example of 
how listening to the body would then inform prayer? Well, you know, I mean, one thing that doesn't talk about it in the chapter, but um, there's a spiritual practice called a body scan mm-hmm. where you just scan your body and you start with your head and you just kind of notice what's going on. And, you know, just physically with my head, my face, mm-hmm. my neck, my shoulders. Um, and you might be feeling tension. You mentioned earlier tension in your shoulders. And what is that telling you? Mm-hmm. Why, why are you having tension in your shoulders? It could be that you have a bad chair that you sit in, you know, and <laughs> right. you need to get a new chair. That it, might be your sp- biggest spiritual problem. Yeah, that, I mean, it could be yeah. something very practical, but it could be that you're experiencing some stress or perhaps something in your lower back or your stomach. And you can just do a simple body scan and just notice um, all the way down to your toes. Um, Is there any sensation? Is there anything here um, that that I might notice that maybe the, the spirit's trying to get my attention, you know, pay attention to the fact that um, you're feeling some tightness in your chest. What is that telling you? You're, you're feeling some tension in your shoulders or your back. And it's not just simply telling you that you need to go get a massage or you need, you know, to go on vacation. Maybe there's a way that you're interacting with life and interacting with stressful situations or even traumatic things in your present or past um, that you could give your attention to. Yeah, and you know, it, it just goes along with silence and stillness awakens the wisdom of the body. It's like mm-hmm. basically like what you're saying, Ted, right? And um, I just wonder, how do we awaken to the wisdom of our body and how does that fit in with our spiritual formation? Yeah, I think we often know more than we know, think we know. So when you're describing that, when you're, you're saying this wisdom of the body, Sometimes when you say, hey, my shoulders are really tight, it's amazing sometimes how much you already know why that is. <laughs> you know, like you're like, that's because I've been thinking about X, Y, or Z. And it's like, how do you know that that's, but you're, it's your body, right? And all it takes is that connection to it to see its wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. And it's telling us a lot of things all the time. Our body speaks to our brain nine times more than our brain speaks to our body. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate how the author just had a chapter specifically on our body and our breath. I guess the closing challenge would be, if you're skeptical, try it. <laughs> try listening for a little while. Try breathing. Try being still. And notice how much, yeah, it does to your awareness. It's a good discussion, guys. Thank you, Renee, mm-hmm. so much for being with us today and sharing your wisdom. And as we always say, it's, it's a good thing to read a book. It's a good thing to have a discussion um, and think through these things, but nothing beats just jumping in and, and practicing it. So I um, encourage you to do that. encourage you to try. Um, if you've never spent a long time in quiet or silence, just start with three minutes, mm-hmm. you know, maybe work your way up. Um, in terms of thinking about this as a practice, it's like going to the gym physically. You know, you're not going to walk in there and do 40 reps of 300 pounds right. on the 
bench press. I'm, I'm showing by saying that I don't go to the gym. Right. I, don't, I don't know exactly where all those things are, but I know you don't just walk in there right. and just do it. You start somewhere and you build and, and you grow. you're still sore the next day even from starting small. Yeah, and yeah. it's awkward. You know, when you first go to the gym, you feel awkward. You think everybody's looking at you and you're like, I don't even know if I can do this. Mm-hmm. And with this, you may experience similar things where you feel a little awkward. Well, just jump in, try, spend a few minutes, yeah. then spend a few minutes more and, um, and and see where it takes you. And this is why we do our monthly prayer gathering, Be Still, um, both in Phoenix as well as uh, our new Be Still in Gilbert. Invite you to check, uh, check that out. All right. To find out more, you can go to sfsaz.org. That's our website where you can find all kinds of resources. And we will see you next time, friends. See you next time. That's what I just said. Bye. <laughs>